0: This is the Men of Athens podcast, making the unknown God known to a very religious world. For more information, check out menofathens.com. Welcome one and all to the Men of Athens podcast. I'm Thomas Lawson. I am Dave Barry. He really is Dave Barry. Mm -hmm. I can attest to that. Usually. Yes. We are uh, standing here. Not many people probably know that we stand for this podcast. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. We are people who stand for what we say. Caring for our hip flexors. (laughs) Now, you've got a uh, standing desk here in your office, which I really like. I'm envious of. Thank you. You're welcome. There might be some uh, um, breaking of a commandment going on. Over your desk, but you
1: know, hey, ending. it's
0: been a while since we've uh, had a podcast. It is. It's. It, it has been a while. It's. It's. It's taken a while. So the last time, no. See, there was a time before last. We were planning on getting together, doing an episode. And you, how's your back, by the way? You threw out your back. That's why we weren't able to do it. I did you, injure it. You backed out. <laughs> do you know I've been waiting two <laughs> weeks to use that? Mm. You backed out of doing the body. Oh, that was a good, that's a dad joke. Yeah, that is a dad joke. That's so, good. but I see you standing.
1: Yeah, it did hurt my back trying to make myself healthy. Okay. And, but the Lord has been kind and been rehabbing it and
0: taking care of it. So okay. I'm on the mend. Thanks good. for asking. Really glad. And then I think the following week, um, I'm trying to remember what came up in our family. I don't exactly know. Many people probably don't know this, but you. doing this podcast is not our full-time job. True, it is. Uh, <laughs> you, you've got a full-time job. You've got five kids. Have mm-hmm. you, has your wife had a baby this week? Or probably. Anything? Okay. Probably. All right. So you got five kids. Yeah. You ju- you guys drive around in the van that looks like something out of a, a, a reality TV show. Hmm. Um. Mm-hmm. So uh, we've got three and one on the way. So we've got our hands full, also, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. So life gets
1: busy, but for our listeners, yes, they may not know there was a gap if they tune in in the future and listen back. It'll be if they're seamless. not waiting
0: with bated breath for with every breath episode with bated breath. Yes, <laughs> that comes out. I I think I can say um, we will hopefully try yeah. to be more diligent to get together and do these. On a more regular basis. That's the goal. That is the goal. So, what's our goal today? Our goal today is hopefully not to make everybody mad at us, or at least me. You. Because... Yeah. <laughs> yep. Okay, here we go. So, Dave, um, we've been throwing back and forth this idea of talking about this issue for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, we're going to begin talking about the issue of racial reconciliation mm-hmm. and the church. Now, my guess is for, I don't know exactly who is in our audience out there. I know it's predominantly our social circles and our church and our family, but I also know that I've you know, occasionally had feedback from other people that say, hey, it caught your podcast. And so, mm. oh, really, wow. So um, it is very likely that even talking about the issue is going to be upsetting to some. Yeah, why, there, could,
1: there could be an emotional response. Right. Yeah. Why go there? Why yeah. go
0: there? And I understand because the subject can wear people out. People begin, can begin to think, hey, why do you keep bringing it up? Why do you keep mm-hmm. talking about it?
1: Right, good point because it is a, a loud voice, mm-hmm. it's one of many voices right now in the cultural conversation. It's an important one to have. And in the conversations you and I have had, it's it's um, been something that's really been on your heart mm-hmm. um, in a in a weighty type way. Yeah, in recent
0: history. So, yes. so why is that? And uh, I won't go into all of the details, but I will say this. Um, so, I grew up in the deep South. I grew up in a predominantly white culture. Now, the schools that I went to um, were, of course, integrated schools. Um, I would say, and, and let me let me put a little parenthetical caveat here for the minute. So for the purpose of expediency and in talking with with other people uh, of, of black or slash African American background, um, for the purpose of this podcast, we're going to be using the terms black and white. Um, I know some prefer. African American some prefer black um, in the circles that we're in the the most commonly used and this is with other black friends is the fray is the use of the term black so I hope that's not offensive to anybody if it is please overlook it for the sake of the gospel and um, is there is there
1: a reason why um, you you, you note know, black and white why we're not going to talk about Hispanic brothers and sisters, First Nations peoples, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Yeah, well, let me let me run back to the personal testimony I was giving because I wanted to give that quick little caveat there. So I grew up. I'm I'm a white person. I grew up in a predominantly white culture. When I went to school, I did have a couple of black classmates and acquaintances and such, but I would say it's fairly obvious within uh, the culture that I grew up in that there's there's a pretty solid distinction between the black community. And the white community, um, there, there's of course exceptions. There is of course friendship that happens. Um, I didn't grow up with, I would say, from my perspective, any sense of like ongoing aggression or or tension. The 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 black classmates that I had that I was you know friends with, we you know we we kind of actually joked about it a little bit sometime, and you know it was it was kind of a a lighthearted thing, but. Um, so our family went off. We were in Russia for five years doing mission work. This is fast-forwarding like. <laughs> so you went from high school to Russia. <laughs> yeah, no, so high school, like, marriage, kid. Okay. Yeah, uh, right. no, high school, okay. college, uh, seminary, uh, marriage, Russia. Mm-hmm. And, and I think one thing that struck me was that, so there was this effort on our part to go to a new place with a different culture, different language. Uh, ethnically, people who looked like us. Hmm but a very, very different culture. And so we were taught, like good little missionaries, to have all of these you know, cultural lenses up, learn how people think, uh, so you can understand them, listen to what they say, get their perspective, learn their history, so that you can better relate to them and communicate the gospel with them. Hmm. If they're a believer, uh, as a brother in Christ you you know where they've come from you know their background you know what they've they've dealt with you can walk alongside them in discipleship and in shepherding if they're not a believer you can know better how the words that you're saying are being interpreted and understood by them and, and so when we came back to the US uh, almost seven years ago now I was struck by the fact that here is an entire um, culture mm-hmm that I've grown up uh, in proximity to that is by and large very distinct from my own in some areas very a lot of commonality but some distinction have I ever given that much attention to that culture hmm. its concerns its history its its background now you ask an important question why black white why not hispanic why not you know native american and the fact of the matter is, is, is that is the largest, most visual racial distinction within our country is going to be between black and white. This, what we're about to talk about today, of course, has implications across the board, uh, across the country and around the globe. Um, but given the history, given the relevance of, this, of the topic these days and how it is prominent, um, it's going to be important for us to, to address it from a biblical standpoint.
1: So you're not looking, so you by no intention are intending to overlook or disrespect or minimize any other ethnicity. Right. Just for the purposes of this podcast, are going to just have to draw a line in the sand, so to speak, and say we're going to deal with this ethnic, cultural, racial issue, black and white. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but as you mentioned, as in especially as we think about it biblically, it has application, implication
0: and application for every yeah, every um aspect of culture out there. Exactly. Okay. And so what we have determined to do, uh this first podcast, we, we can't cover all this in one podcast because I know there's gonna be a lot of lot of topics of conversation that come up in regards to this subject. So We're going to take two, perhaps three, maybe more if we need to, um, where we, we talk about this issue, and for the first podcast today, we're going to be talking about the biblical foundation for what is, I'm putting this in quotes, air quotes, racial reconciliation. Okay, let's define a term here real quick. The term right off the bat, the term race, is Mm -hmm. going to be throwing uh, some people for a loop because they're saying, whoa, wait a minute, there's one race, the human race. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Okay, There is one race, many ethnicities. And anytime you're reading most English translations, whenever you come across nations or peoples, um, that word, yeah. That word in mm-hmm. English, it's, it's referring to other ethne. Eth- yeah, ethne. No, ethne. Mm-hmm. Other ethnicities. Mm-hmm. So, yes, there's one race, the human race, multiple ethnicities. Mm-hmm. All of us are created in the image and likeness of God. Mm-hmm. Which is a very helpful... Right. I, it's actually not obvious because of the
1: way that term is used out there in the digital ether of media and whatnot, mm-hmm. the, the notion of race really draws such a strong dividing line. So I think that's a helpful thing to point out, wait a second, biblically speaking, there's only one race, Correct. human. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, but the term racism has become so ubiquitous mm. that it's almost impossible to avoid it when talking about this conversation. So, in, when we, if we're using the phrase racial reconciliation, it's simply because that's what people are talking about right now, and it's easier to say than ethnocultural re- reconciliation, reunification. <laughs> reunification. Yeah, right. Okay. So, in uh, even the use of the term reconciliation, I've heard, I've had conversations with people that saying that is saying that there's actually enmity there that must be overcome. That's actually debatable. Some people would say yes, there is. Others would say no. If you're in Christ, no, there's no enmity to overcome. But um, when we're talking about reconciliation, we're not going to actually get into this today, but mm-hmm. that, that is dealing with a whole broad spectrum of issues that deal everything with, with showing hospitality to people of other cultures, uh, understanding them, loving them, um, rejoicing with those who rejoice, weeping with those who weep. We're going to get into the, the implications of the second great commandment, mm-hmm. and that's going to be in a following episode here. Mm-hmm. Uh, anywhere along the way... That anybody has questions, they're listening to. Obviously, if you go to church with us or you know us personally, feel free to reach out personally and, and talk about this with us. If you're if you're not, you can uh, if you're not in our church or uh, live next door, you can email us at questions at menofathens.com and we'll be happy to address those.
1: Can they tweet you?
0: They can tweet me. At well, technically, tweet us, <laughs> but really,
1: let's be honest, tweet you.
0: Yeah, um, we're on Twitter at. The Moa Podcast, the Moa Podcast, and we'd be happy to interact with you on the the Twitter sphere. And you're coming at this as a all-knowing expert, exactly. Because you know, what better expert could you find on this than a white guy, forty-one year old middle yeah middle-aged white guy? Yeah, so. you are a middle-aged. Yeah. <laughs> no. Okay. So.
1: Joking aside, yeah, joking aside, the point my point of saying that sarcastically was just to recognize that, as you said at the beginning, this is this, this can be there's there seems to be more confusion Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and emotional freight and even exhaustion in in different areas of the conversation. So, depending upon your exposure, maybe the notions of race Mm -hmm. issues only come up when um uh some tragedy happens and it's plastered all over the news. So wherever someone is falls in this category, we're just we're wanting to think biblically and apply Christ's gospel to this <clears throat> to help the church that we serve and then anybody else who listens to us to think better and and yes. and, and and love their neighbor better biblically when it comes to the issue of this
0: cultural tension that exists. Mm. So Let's take a moment here. I'm going to start by prefacing this with a distinction here. A biblical truth and a political issue. Or a moral truth and a political issue. Now, what happens a lot of times, so so, uh, let me give you some concrete examples here. There are purely, in my opinion, and in my belief, I say opinion, I guess that is the same thing. In my belief, there are some issues out there that are purely moral. There's many of them. The Bible's filled with them. Then there's issues that are purely political. And then there are moral issues that get politicized and there's political issues that get moralized. And oftentimes in the political sphere you have a mixture going on with some political issues being more in line with biblical truth and others holding their appropriate place as a political issue and others holding an inappropriate place of a political issue that's been moralized. Okay, concrete examples here Hmm. because that's a whole lot of stuff. That's good, that's important. It is. So abortion is a moral issue. Mm -hmm. The sanctity of life in the womb, I am unapologetically pro-life. Mm -hmm. and believe that abortion is murder. It is killing, taking a human life. Mm -hmm. It is an issue that has been politicized. It is an inherently moral issue that has been politicized. So if a pastor or Bible teacher or Sunday school teacher, youth director, whatever the case may be, makes statements in regards to abortion from the pulpit, they are speaking on an inherently biblical moral issue. It gets wrapped up in the Republican-Democrat debate. It gets wrapped up in the Planned Parenthood debate. And, and all of those things, they're not necessarily bad. I'm just saying at its, at its core, it is a moral issue that has become politicized.
1: So on that note, do you think... Then a danger of a hearer, say listening to a sermon, Yes, and and so the notion of sanctity of life comes up, that a hearer could think, oh, the pastor's getting political now. They've moved from being biblical to political, or in this case, we're talking about race, oh, they're getting political. Yes. And that would be a misinterpretation. Right. Because they're preaching the word.
0: Yes. So okay. yeah, exactly. That is a. I think that's a very real uh, threat that could be underlying this conversation. That we've got, we've become so wrapped up in the political discourse that the minute certain issues, certain moral issues that have become politicized, come up, it's a trigger word that starts that path down to oh, you're going, you're getting political, you're getting political. And, and the same thing could be happening right now to someone listening to this, thinking they're talking about race, they're going to get into politics today, and that's not the case. So uh, let me give you a, a flip side example of, mm-hmm. of a, a purely political issue. Which one is inherently immoral? A 3.5% tax or a 3.55% tax? Yes. You know? Mm-hmm. Okay. So... You see, there, there are issues. Now, that doesn't mean taxes don't have implications mm-hmm. that could be moral, mm-hmm. that could unjustly burden uh, people. Mm-hmm. Okay, But the number 3.5 and the number 3.55 have no intrinsic moral value. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's intertwined. So what we're trying to do with the issue of racial reconciliation, as we talk about it today, is extract it from the political discourse and bring it back to the biblical. Now the thing about political discourse is sometimes it gets it right, and sometimes it gets it wrong. And you could argue most of the time it gets it wrong, I don't know. (laughs) Depends on the issue, depends on how it's being talked about. So right now in the political discourse surrounding this debate, there's a lot of screaming, a lot of yelling. 2018. Right, 2018. Mm-hmm. A lot of yelling going on, a lot of talking past each other. And that has trickled down into, I believe, even the church right now. When I'm talking about the church, I'm talking about the church universal, churches local. Mm-hmm. Um, that subject is causing division. And I think the division is stemming from a lot of the political discourse. And not a holding to the biblical mm. mandates and the biblical basis for the issue of what does the Bible say about ethnic distinction? What does it say about cultural divides? What does it say about our identity as believers? You follow me?
1: Yeah, I'm following you. <laughs> okay. I think it's good. That's good. That's good. Right. It's helpful. So, mm. so then I guess a question maybe for listeners before we get into it is. What does the Bible say
0: about this? There's a lot of things, a lot of places we can go. And as I was quoting to you earlier, um, talking about uh, Genesis chapter Mm 2, God making man and woman in his image and likeness. In his image and likeness, he made them male and female. Um, That offspring of Adam and Eve ever since that time distinguishes us Every human being on this planet, as as one race of people, we are all descendants of Adams. The formation, or the uh, maybe not formation, but I'm trying to think about the the, the at, at what point exactly the different races emerged, or the excuse me, the different ethnicities yeah, emerged sure. uh, on the earth. I don't know. There's theories about that. I don't think the Bible specifically points to one. I can say that the the curse of Ham that it talks about after the flood uh, that that whole theory that the curse of Ham was was blackness is is utter nonsense. There's no biblical basis for that, um, and you're shaking your head and rightly so. Okay, so mm-hmm. the the different ethnicities on the earth when and at what time the Lord chose to uh, bring that. To pass mm-hmm. um, whether it be after the dividing of the nations and just by his his uh, providence he he calls the offspring of people to be born according to different uh, ethnic and skin colors and, and mm-hmm. features, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the that's kind of the a little bit of back history. Now, let's come to the new. Testament. So, go ahead
1: so cultural diversity um, and or, or or ethnic diversity, yeah. Is by God's design. Yes, it's it's a demonstration. We can we can say of His beautiful creativity. Just as there's, I mean, if we look at creation itself as a witness of the diversity, God likes a uh, multitude of expressions of flowers and yeah. a- animals and and everything. And so people that are. are the fact that we all look different glorifies God. Correct.
0: Okay. Yes, and and even talk differently. I mean, you take the um, what happened at Babel. Okay, so there might have been very sinful and haughty aspirations of some of the people in building this tower, if not most of them. But oh, there were exactly. Uh, but the the giving of different languages by God, is not a sinful act. In his providence, this is what he designed for humanity, uh, to be a multitude of people, to be a multitude of of languages. And then, in many ways, culture, uh, over time, becomes more defined based upon environment that people are living in. So, I mean, if you're living in a very warm environment, uh, next to running bodies of water, um, you know, your culture is going to develop along the lines of fishing and 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 dressing in less clothing, if any. If you live in a very cold environment, that's going to define how you hunt, how you survive. It's it's go- so you know when mm-hmm. you when you come across uh, in, and we don't really have much in the way of untouched tribes anymore. But when a lot of the peoples of the north were first discovered and first encountered. Uh, non-native looking people, um, ethnically dark-skinned people, you know, these were people that had survived for centuries and centuries in that harsh minus 40, 50, 60 environment. Same thing about, you know, going into warmer environments and encountering uh, tribes of people that had never really encountered the modern world. Um, their cultures had evolved along those sides. And I use the term evolved, not in any kind of macro sense. I'm mm-hmm. talking about just a cultural change that and happens over time. They
1: adapted appropriately yes. to be able to exist their environment.
0: So what about fast-forwarding to heaven? Okay. What's All heaven right. going to look like? Well, let me, let me pause for just a moment okay. before we get to heaven. <laughs> okay, fine. I like that. We are going to go to heaven. Um, literally and figuratively. So... That's the foundation. So there was there's one race of people, that after the flood, after Ham, and we're kind of summarizing that story, were divided into a multitude of ethnic nations and languages that over time developed distinct cultures among themselves. Some with horrible practices, some with, uh, for lack of a better term, morally neutral practices in in terms of just like. You know how they survived, and others in terms of of actually doing things that, by God's common grace, even if they didn't know who God was, did things right in, so, in that sense. So when
1: you're talking about their cultures, you're talking their about cultures, how, how they're ordering their lives, yes. what what they do to yeah. celebrate and beliefs and things like that.
0: Well, that yeah, 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 that's what I'm talking about. Okay, I okay. want to make sure I understand. because uh, there
1: was just a few times where we where we used culture to almost as a synonym for. Race as or uh, ethnic. And I think th- it
0: can be distinct. That that's yeah. going to get into a different subject okay. because a person can be one ethnicity but actually have a culture that doesn't typically fit the majority of the people that share his or her ethnicity. Mm-hmm. True. Okay? So that's 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 a whole other discussion. Now, so we fast forward to the New Testament. We're going to go to Titus chapter two. There's many places we could go, but um, it was actually not too long ago. This passage really struck me. It really jumped out at me here. Okay, so Titus chapter 2, beginning at verse 11, it says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. That is is referring to all the the peoples of the earth, plural, Mm -hmm. for all types of people, not just Jew, but Gentile in all the the subdivisions of Gentile. So, Titus chapter 2, verse 11. So, the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. So it moves from the beginning of this section of talking about the Savior appearing for all people so that he would redeem for himself at the end of this passage a people.
1: Yeah, I would- just yeah. your ESV that you're reading there in the Greek is actually plural, so it makes yeah. it clear. All, yeah. all peoples.
0: All peoples, yeah. yeah. We don't usually use that term. Mm-hmm. We do in missiological conversations sometimes out there, but all peoples, all different types of all the nations, um, and, and we're not using that in a geopolitical sense. The, so ethnicities, distinct languages.
1: And, and, then, and then when you... When it says purify himself, a people. Yeah, that is singular. It's singular.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I don't know my Greek too well, but I just looked it up. I I did look up that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So there's this shift that happens in Christ, where all who are bought and redeemed by Him are part of a new nation of people. That is a singular nation. Now, here's, here's where the conversation, uh, I want to I clarify something before. I genuinely believe that the vast majority of, of our listeners <laughs> and the vast majority of people that we deal with in our in our day-to-day lives in Christianity don't think what I'm about to say. But it does exist. I know it exists because I've had conversations with these people. Um, I've heard this said that, well, because God divided the nations at Babel, therefore, we're all supposed to remain in our own little places and be segregated from one another. doesn't mean we hate somebody else. It just means we are supposed to be segregated because that's what God did. But here is a reversal of that Hmm. right here, Mm -hmm. okay? This is an absolute clear message that any time of distinction, and we could get into the whole issue of of, uh, the court of the Gentiles in the Old Testament and all that kind of stuff. We're not going to do that, but that time of distinction is no more. All the peoples may become part of a new nation, and it talks about that Ephesians chapter 2. Hang on a second.
1: So while you going going there, yeah. let me just take us back for a second. Um, that is a most bizarre belief, if someone thinks that, that because we're in different nations, we have to be. And, and here's uh, Genesis 12, the first promise of the Gospels in Genesis 3.15, and mm-hmm. Adam last Adam, and Adam Jr. is going to come, and he's going to right all the wrongs of of our father, Adam. So part of the promise, that Genesis 3.15 gospel promise, passes to and then through Abram, Abraham. And it says of him in the Abrahamic blessing, in 12.3 of Genesis, it says, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So in other words... From the beginning, through Scripture to where you're taking us now, God's gospel plan all along has been to redeem people. Yes. Um, In fact, Uh, in fact, a brief in fact. See that sly look in your eyes. Well, in Acts chapter 2, when the apostles are all speaking in a language that... All the ethne who have gathered around mm-hmm. here, mm-hmm. Acts chapter two is a reversal of Babel yes. in bringing the people back under one language. So the storyline that draws through Scripture, the narrative arc is that God is is while happy with families, He's going to bring us all under the one family, His His patria, His His fatherhood. Yes.
0: So Ephesians two. Well, Ephesians two, you know this issue of uh, of an ethnic slash racial divide, cultural divide was coming up in the early church, and Paul was addressing that uh, specifically in regards to the issue of, of, of circumcision and <clears throat> all of those things. So Ephesians chapter 2, excuse me. Um, uh, let me f- kind of just look here where to start. Uh, I'll just Verse 11, maybe? Verse, uh, yeah, verse 11. Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, uh, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who made us both one, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in the ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and, and, uh, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. We could go on, there's a, a trillion things we could say about that right there, but that again, emphasizing that point, that in Christ, There is one new people that has been created.
1: And you can't underscore that enough because if you go back and you just read it quickly or or read it again slowly for that matter, it almost seems as if, uh, well, New Testament, from the Jewish perspective, there were two peoples on the earth, Jews and Gentiles, Mm -hmm. everybody else. So, this passage is about Jews and everybody else right. being made one, but then what's astonishing is what you read in verse 15. We weren't just made one, but in the gospel, because of Christ, we've been made one new man. Mm. So, so, you think elsewhere in Corinthians about being a new creation in Christ, what Jesus has done is something different from the passage of like the Abrahamic covenant to the Mosaic covenant to the Davidic covenant. The new covenant in Jesus is the dawning of the new age. So we're actually a new
0: creation. Yeah.
1: Um, That one new man.
0: Yeah. And so this has uh, myriads of applications and implications as we talk about this. And one that I've shared with somebody one time, and this was actually in a conversation with a guy. It was an email correspondence I was having with him. Um, and he, interestingly enough, he was Hispanic. Uh, he's he's full-blooded, ethnically Hispanic, culturally Hispanic. And he had bought into the idea along the way that God divided the nations, therefore we're to be divided. And so I hit him up with this. I hit him up with the passage, you know, from uh, uh, Titus chapter 2. I hit him up with uh, Pentecost there in Acts and uh, never heard from him again. I don't know if he's had a change of heart. I don't know. I don't, you know, really. But he was very, very adamant. So it's interesting um, as as we're having this conversation to to think of the implications with this. One of the things I told him as an implication, I say, I, as an ethnically white Christian, have more in common with an ethnically black brother in Christ than I do with any other white non-Christian in this world, and they may like. It. So your white neighbor can like the same sports, same
1: food, yes. same 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 same. More on a piece of paper, same, <clears throat> but because of what we share in the gospel of Jesus Christ,
0: yes, is I, is yeah.
1: is infinitely more, right? Similar than yeah. your neighbor.
0: I I yeah. I mean, you 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 take a brother from um, uh, one of my roommates in seminary, was from Tanzania. Okay. Um uh, black, ethnically black-skinned person, very different culture from my own. He was a brother in Christ. I have more in common with him than my neighbor right now, um, you know, down the street who is not a Christian, vehemently not a Christian.
1: And then that shows you something in the gospel where had you guys not been believers in Christ and just roommates, yeah, you would have next to nothing in college. In common, other than being at the same school. Right. Maybe the same interests. Yeah.
0: And, and that has a huge implica- implication. And we're going to get into a lot of this, I feel like, in our in our next episode in a week here. Hopefully we're going to do it in a week, unless you back out again. I see what <laughs> you did there. I see what I did there. Um, but implications of this. as So th- this is where this discussion on quote-unquote racial reconciliation is now going to... This, this has to be our starting point, that we are one family in Christ. Do
1: you have anything from the book of Revelation that can prove that to me also? Yes, okay. I do. Because
0: <laughs> you really I want go you to read to, that verse. You really want to go to heaven, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, and let, so let me explain. We are one family, but we are not an homogenous goo. Okay. Can go be homogenized? Anyways, <laughs> just continue. To, yeah. So what I mean by that is um, there's a number of other places we could look to talk about this. But I think one of the clearest examples that even as one family does not take away the, the beauty of distinction. Okay. Now, I've heard people say, I'm colorblind. I don't see color. I don't think in terms of that. Now, at its at the heart of that, what I hear, I think stems from a good motivation. They're saying, I I don't ever try to judge people negatively according to their skin color or ethnicity or anything. I understand what they're saying. Biblically, though, I think there's a good reason to say that no, we don't want to be colorblind. We want to be, we want to see color but with the, with the lens of, of gospel distinction and understanding. So, Revelation, here, I'm finally going to heaven. We're going to get to heaven now. It's about time. <laughs> Revelation chapter 7. So, at the beginning of the chapter, uh, John, who is having his vision, uh, talks about uh, the angel standing at the four corners of the earth and uh, seeing these people from the tribe of Judah then he gets to verse chapter 9, and he says, not the tribe of Judah, the, the, the different tribes of Israel, which include Judah, Reuben, Gad, Asher, and so forth. Um, chapter 7, verse 9, he says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a voice salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. You have this picture in John's vision of unity crying out with one voice but still distinction. Every nation, tribe, and tongue. So now, exactly what that will look like on, on the day of glory, okay, I don't know. I've often, uh, ha- having had the opportunity to live in a country with another country where they, they spoke a completely different language, I learned to appreciate actually the beauty of that. I mean, some of the languages of this world, even if you don't understand them, they're beautiful sounding. Um, maybe not German, but, we'll, you know, well.
1: <laughs> Sorry, Germans. Sorry, Sorry, Germans.
0: Germany. And Mennonites. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Even German can be beautiful. But, you know, there's a beauty in that. There's a beauty in seeing color. There's a beauty in seeing the difference when you understand how it fits into the bigger, more wonderful picture of, of what God is doing and bringing together people from every nation, tribe, and tongue. So I would say if, if you have dark skin, thank the Lord for that. If you have light skin, thank the Lord for that. If you have blue eyes, brown eyes, whatever the case may be. Curly
1: hair, straight hair, tall, short. Oh, just fill in the blanks. Or in my case, no hair. Yeah, that's true.
0: Now, I'll, tell you, I'll share with you an interesting tidbit here. So I am actually partially colorblind, red, green, brown, medically speaking. okay. Um, so I'm, it's due tan. I'm a moderate due tan, meaning that shades of red, green, and brown can be hard for me to distinguish. I see probably about 30 to 40% less shades of color than a normal non-colorblind person sees. A couple years ago, they came out with these new glasses that uh, somehow use some technology to help you actually see these other shades of colors. And I was able to get a pair of them. I'm not wearing them right now because they're sunglasses. And I remember the very first time I put them on, I was blown away. Because I started seeing shades of color that I had never seen before, <laughs> and I began to notice differences between like different blades of grass, like you know, as whereas before, like a lot of different greens all looked the same to me, and a lot of um, lighter colored reds just kind of looked gray. All of a sudden, I could see these. They popped, and It was was a beautiful moment because now I saw how all of these things work together to form this, this picture. So I'm using that a little bit metaphorically here to talk about the beauty of the body of Christ is not saying, well, I just don't see color at all. It is actually saying, I see color and I see what God has done in bringing together people of every nation, tribe, and tongue. Mm-hmm. As a new man, mm-hmm. as a new people.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. There's one new man in Christ that we read in Ephesians 2. And then Revelation, this is a glimpse of what's taking place in heaven. You have every tribe, tongue, nation. It's so what that means then is that when we pass into glory, yeah. that we're going to pass into glory. So. It, just to be technical, in that these are these are um, saints who have not been resurrected yet, so they're they're spirits. So even in their spirit, they're still identified yeah. as a different ethnicity, which then strongly implies that at the resurrection, meaning that the spirit is reunited with the body, the body is still going to retain a ethnic diversity, and that that glorifies God, and we will take such great joy in that um, in yes. 15 billion years from now. So there, there is both unity and diversity. So here's, let me give my personal example. Yeah. Personal example is this. My stepmom is a strong, beautiful black woman. And my half-brother and two half-sisters uh, are born to my stepmom and dad. So they are ethnically mixed, and but we are one family.
0: Mm-hmm. We're
1: under one name, and we're one family. But you look at us; we look quite different. Yeah. And uh, but it's a it's a beautiful thing.
0: Yeah, that that's a I I didn't know I didn't know that about you. So you're dropping a I'm full of surprises an info bomb <laughs> here on me. That's great. Um, it's yeah, interesting
1: it's, on my dad's side of the family. I have more black family and relatives than white relatives. <laughs> so I'm a minority in my own
0: family. So family reunions must be really fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you see, that's it's a beautiful thing. So I, I think a lot of the political discourse that's going on right now in our country and our Wait, world... Wait, I thought you were being political this entire time. Oh, yeah. Like this wasn't... Imp- okay, all right. <laughs> no. Um Immediately can begin to raise flags with people to think, well, you know, you, you start throwing out these terms like white guilt, like cultural Marxist, like, you know, uh, racist, bigot, and, you know, all these things. I'm, I'm in this episode and we're, we're kind of wrapping it up here. What we're trying to do is let's, let's extract it from that. Let's go to scripture. What does scripture say? Okay. What is the Bible teaching us? And this is what it's teaching us. There is unity. There is diversity. So, in one sense, we are one new people in Christ. And in the same sense, we don't lose our ethnic or cultural distinction necessarily. Now, every culture, when brought under the, the red hot, the white hot light of, of, of God's word, uh, should have change that happens. There are some things within culture that, that are good practices that should be carried on, but there's others too that, that do change. I think of Go ahead.
1: Well, uh, j- just to distinguish, so you, we're, you're kind of interchanging ethnicities and cultures here. So, so, yeah, God's Word can inform any and all and ought to inform all cultures. Mm-hmm. But in terms of ethnicities, uh, our, morph- our, our physiological designs, the way that we look, yeah. what we've seen in Scripture is that no ethnicity is inferior or superior to
0: another. Absolutely. Let let me clarify again. Yeah. I I actually don't. I use ethnic cultural together not to confuse the terms with one another, but because they so commonly coincide. Com- not all the time though. And so I'll give you an example. Let me give you an example. And this has to be from personal context. You mean like ethnic food. <laughs>
1: Right, drive down to the food carts around her, and then you have there's the Mexican food, there's the Ethiopian food, there is the chicken waffle grossness white people food. Oh, it's, uh-uh, it's gross. Uh-uh. It's not good. Chicken.
0: Oh, it is. So it's, uh, it's not good. Chicken oh, no. and waffles. Chicken Sunday. Chicken Sunday. Oh, they call it chicken Sunday. It's disgusting. Oh. Yep. Chicken and waffles is fantastic. That's we'll a true. Correct that's a, That's an accurate statement. Okay, I yes. had some in the south. All right, sorry. Um, so you know, ethnic culture they so often coincide. So the personal example was when our family lived in Russia, we actually had uh, a very uh, prominent ministry among the indigenous peoples of Siberia, just like we have Native Americans here, ethnic um, uh, First Nations people, Canada, uh, indigenous Alaska. So um, in Siberia, the same thing. So you had one predominant people group called the Sakha. They are uh, ethnically more dark-skinned. They speak a very distinct language. They have a very distinct history. But you also have half of this million people that live in this region are ethnically Slavic Russian. So they're white-skinned, distinct culture, but cultural background. In the big cities, there's a lot of mixing because it's divided 50-50, roughly speaking. When you go out to a village or a remote region of this area, it's going to be either 100, almost 100% ethnic Russian or 100% ethnic Sakha. So I'm giving you that background to say when you come into the city, most of the time an ethnically Sakha person will speak Sakha as their first language, will have those cultural uh, distinctions, and uh, a Russian person, an ethnically Slavic Russian person, will speak Russian and have those cultural distinctions. But you have exceptions. If you have, say, uh, for instance, a person who is, maybe say their ethnicity was the Sakha, but they grew up going to all Russian school, maybe they had Russian friends, you might find a person that culturally is different from what the vast majority of people have, you know, he shares an ethnicity with. Okay, and that could be applied to even our situation today. Um, you do have distinct uh, cultural differences a lot of times between the black community, the white community, even among regions in the country. I mean, you bring a diehard Southerner like myself up to the Northwest, there was some adjustment that had to take place when I got up here. <laughs> hey, we
1: we moved a 1,000 miles north to come up here from the central coast of California. Yeah. and And there was a significant cultural change from... The Pacific Coast, and the Pacific Northwest. Yes, very significant.
0: I guarantee you, if I, if we, if you and I took a trip down to Southeast Louisiana, and uh, went to a crawfish boil, you'd have a you'd have a hoot in time. I, be... <laughs> I would have a hoot. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, so that that's showing you there's uh, the these things are 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 oftentimes so, so culture and ethnicity oftentimes coincide yeah but they are two distinct things
1: yeah so i just wanted to clarify because yeah. um ethnicity is not wrong no because it's a gift of god it's our cultures in all their diversity depending i mean just whatever that some parts of it so for example right now the pacific northwest our country in general but uh, uh uh, justice social justice mm-hmm. is a big deal that's a good thing god cares about justice yeah rightly defined and so so that would be an intersection of hey culture and what the bible says intersect on the justice yeah. point but in terms of like marriage gender and family right they're opposites exactly yeah so just just that distinction, so it wasn't yeah. confused. Yeah,
0: and and you look at every you know cult- cultural anthropologist, and I'm talking about specifically Christian ones that have gone in and, and done assessments of cultures, and in order to better understand them, communicate with them, love them, communicate the gospel to them, um, they find those things uh, oftentimes as as valuable because they can begin to draw points of connection mm. and draw distinction. Okay, mm-hmm. so if you go into a culture where uh, one of the practices is to, um, you know, if your baby begins to develop teeth on the wrong part of the mouth first, that you say it's a curse from the spirits and you throw the baby in the river. That's a cultural practice that is... Satanic. Satanic, yeah. okay? But if, if your culture has this practice of um, providing, you know, food for your neighbor whenever he's sick, well, you know, that may not have a biblical motivation behind it, but by the grace of God in his good providence, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. And you would want to encourage that. And mm-hmm. you don't want to see that changed or style of dress or language or, you know, those types of distinctions. They're, they're good distinctions. Thanks and for using that
1: horrible illustration, by the way. <laughs> I'm
0: sorry. You no, know, it's a real thing. It's called mingy. Uh, there's tribes that have uh, that still practice that even today in, in some remote places. Oh, so, um, yeah. Anyway, so Dave, um, let's wrap it up here today. So, I, I hopefully. So your
1: goal in all of this was to help us just get on the magnet of politics.
0: That's what the goal. <laughs> that's what
1: the goal was today. You keep
0: cutting that joke. Um, no, the goal of this was actually to extract the conversation. Uh from the political, okay? Let, let's recenter on the Bible, uh, and I believe the Bible clearly teaches one people in Christ with a diversity of ethnicities, languages, cultures, and uh, and giftings, and it, and it all goes together. So now, we're going to save this for our next episode. With that in mind, there's an implication on how we relate to one another within the body of Christ. And, I believe, how we approach others that are not in the body of Christ, but we want them to become part of the body of Christ. Hmm. The second great commandment, love your neighbor mm-hmm. as yourself. Because how we relate to one another, black Christians, white Christians, Hispanic, Native American Asian, Asian, whatever. Everyone. Everyone. Yeah. How we relate to one another should also be reflected in how we are making disciples of all nations. Mm-hmm. And, and so that means even as we approach unbelievers, our neighbors, um, there's a strong implication that that same disposition of understanding, loving, should be extended to them as we extend that hand of the gospel and say, we want you to become part of this family. Of Christ and believe in Him. Become mm-hmm. one with our family. Um, so we're not going there today because we're out of time. But in the next episode, now that we've laid this biblical foundation, we're going to go there. And. Lord willing. Lord willing. <laughs> so. Yep, Lord willing. Yes.
1: So if anything, what we've seen, and I'd like to think that what we did today and what you did today, is that the Bible has something to say. Yes. And a, a general admonition to all of our hearers is that our knee-jerk reaction should be, what does the Bible say about this?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Fill, fill in the blank, whether we're giving counsel to a friend or um, thinking through any issue a, a big one is as much as this, God has something to say about it. He'll, he'll give us the wisdom. If he's less direct or less clear on an issue, he'll give us the wisdom that we need to navigate it. And so, I think it's so helpful. I really appreciate that distinction that you bring that this is such a politicized issue that a Christian could wrongly think that this is politics, don't want to deal with it. Without actually having that a robust grounding in scripture of why do ethnicities exist? Where do they come from? What happens to ethnicities in the gospel, and what is going to happen to ethnicities in eternity? Yes. And and you've yeah. surveyed that today, and so I think that gives us that foundation to say, then how do we navigate this within our church? Right. Our church is, yeah. and then as you mentioned, so it's a fellowship and evangelism issue, and um, so I think that's helpful. So thank yeah. you, thank you for being concerned about this and helping us think about it.
0: Yeah. And I appreciate your your comments there. I think that's a good way to sum it up, Dave. And again, we invite questions. We invite feedback. Um, I I would say if there's one thing I would hope people would take away from this one point of application, and, and that is everybody just chill. <laughs> to put it in the vernacular, and, and what I mean is is if if your natural reaction is to to go off and and post something a, a rant on Facebook or something like that, just just hold off for a little bit because those types of things aren't aren't helpful. You can post, you know, people post opinions, people post biblical viewpoints, but if it's a snarky little meme about, you know, blah blah blah, everybody's wrong in this way, don't, you know, just just chill from that for a little bit, okay? And l- let's have the biblical conversation because there are some explicit points of biblical application from this that we're going to talk about. Uh, in future episodes.
1: So, so that means, dear listener, that Thomas Lawson is going to solve <laughs> everything in the next few episodes. No, no. But I think Definitely this is this not. gives us good conversation pieces. If anything, I, one one desire that I have is to grow in uh, awareness mm-hmm. of my own personal, and cultural blind spots. Yes. And to be able to identify with brothers and sisters in Christ of different ethnicities in particular, and then just different ethnicities in general, to know what it's like to to be in their shoes. That's part of Mm -hmm. our admonition in Scripture to rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. And um, as you, you mentioned, you're growing up and then going to Russia, and then when you came back, is you probably didn't realize that growing up in the culture that you did, you assumed everyone was having functionally the same experience and yeah. understanding as you had.
0: <laughs> and that's not the case. Right.
1: So See, um, I was not
0: introduced to chicken and waffles until much later.
1: I was not introduced until chicken <laughs> and waffles until a year ago in Kentucky yeah. at Joella's
0: Hot Chicken. <clears throat> and, and it was <throat> delicious. Really? Yeah, wow. Joella's Hot okay. Chicken. That's pretty awesome. hmm so, you've been listening to the Men of Athens podcast with Thomas Lawson and, and Dave Berry. Dave Berry. If you have any questions or feedback from this, if you run, run into us personally in our church or in, in our social circles here, feel free to chat with us about this or send a question to questions at menofathens.com. And you can also find us on the Twitter sphere. The uh, MOA podcast is our Twitter handle. Also menofathens.com on the internet's wait, right so you
1: just you told people not to talk about this
0: no. online
1: <laughs> but now they're supposed to tweet.
0: <clears throat> they could they it. can they can send us uh, talk about it negatively. Don't to talk about it negatively. Don't rant, don't talk about it negatively, yes. I said don't talk about it negatively. Don't don't rant about it, don't
1: snarky meme snarky, it.
0: Snarky, keep keep away from the snark, the sarcasm. Snarkasm. Snarkasm. Ooh. All right. All right. Let's rescue
1: our people from ourselves. (laughs) Yes. Dear listener, we admonish you, desire that all of us would grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and forever, to the day of eternity.
0: Amen. Amen, brother. You've been listening to the Men of Athens podcast. If you have a question or comment that you would like us to address on a future episode, email us at questions at menofathens.com.